Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. And thank you again for joining us on this magnificent day. And this day is magnificent because I would like to introduce you to a really good friend of mine, Dr. Teresa Horn. Now, Teresa Horn, she, she's a lot of things. You, you can see all that if you look at her on LinkedIn and Instagram and all those other grams and social media things. But she is just an awesome individual. Now, she is funny. She is smart. She is just a fantastic speaker, but she's also uh, the chief diversity officer at the U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement. Yes, she is a top dog. She's a phenomenal individual. When we're talking about ICE, we're not talking about Vanilla Ice Ice Baby. We're talking about the big U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement. So the perspective she has when it comes to diversity and increasing diversity within the organization is just a very interesting perspective that I'm looking forward to sharing with you all today. In addition to that, she is also the owner and manager of Dynamic Training Partners. As a minority, a veteran, and a woman-owned organization, she is just doing some really freaking cool stuff, if you can allow me to use the word freaking. I, I guess I just did again. Okay, so without any further ado, I'm going to ask you to come join me. I would invite you to reach out, find me on LinkedIn.com, find me on YouTube, comment, post. I would love to hear from you. And if you'd like to invite me to serve as a keynote speaker, workshop presenter, or come lead a mentoring program for you, the one I just recently developed for executive leaders, you need to reach out to me. <laughs> My email address is T-R-E-M-B-L-E-G-P-S at gmail.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn.com. Without any further ado, my good friend, Dr. Teresa Horn. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. And today I have another good friend of mine, Dr. Teresa Horn. How are you doing today, madam? I am doing excellent. So glad to see you again, Alex. I know. I know. We haven't seen each other in like years I think I, last time I saw you, like, weren't you like, um, like walking into the White House or it was a, <laughs> Jeff Bezos was asking for your, for your advice or something like that? Yeah, I, I vaguely remember you uh, avoiding me. That's how that went. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 either way, either way, that has now come to an end. We are back together to have an awesome conversation. Indeed. So let, let's start off with the easy question. Um, I heard that you work at some place that um, that deals with ice, um, like like is it like, a, like refrigerators or something. Like, where, <laughs> what are you doing right now? Where are you at? The much cooler version: uh, immigration and customs enforcement. So I am the chief diversity officer there. I lead the diversity management division. So inside of that division, we work on. Uh, special emphasis programming, organizational climate assessments, reasonable accommodations, anti-harassment, anti-bullying, right? So all of these things that make a workplace uh, the best place to work. And so I have my work cut out for me and a lot of interesting things that we're working on in that area. So, so maybe the question I should have asked is what are you not um, working on? Because um, that was a very extensive list you just shared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. So we're going to be, we're also going to really talk about in a minute, we're going to talk about your extracurricular activities. If you don't mind yeah. me talking about that in a bit. Um, I have a question about diverse, just to, just to jump in right quick. Yeah. Um, there is something I keep hearing when we talk about diversity and then the need to focus on diversity. Um, 
I keep hearing as people talk about um, working on diversity, equity, clues, and justice, we are then not focusing on quality. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. that, that argument? And if you have, what was your response to that? You know, I haven't heard that that particular argument, right? Because I think DEI and then we're really moving towards the A instead of the J, which I think the J is is still very, very important, right? Justice is very, very important. But I think that's more so along the lines of um, certain lanes, right, in the, in the social sector. Um, when we're talking about the A, which is accessibility, we start looking at how equity um, plays a role in access to to things, right? So that brings in that equality and the equity piece, right? So we're looking at it from the aspect of um, how can I best explain it? So for instance, if you have an intern coming in, right? And you typically have unpaid interns come in, they get this experience and you know they take that experience with them off and, and are able to get a job, right? So there's an imbalance in that because there are certain uh, people in underrepresented groups that are not able to take unpaid internships. They have to make money in order to survive, right? Mm -hmm. And so there is this equity piece that we're looking at in regards to access. Do people have access to the the same opportunities, Mm -hmm. Um, even at just that small level, the fact that we offer paid versus unpaid internships? So we're looking at that across the board, right? And so I think equality falls in that bucket naturally. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that's one of those areas that that most people in the in the DEIA or DEIAJ sector, you know, sort of uh, piece out. You, you, you know, there's there's a story I it's it's a it's a positive story. But it's also a really crappy story, and I can say crappy because it's my I'm I'm the host. I can I can. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bleep myself later. Um, so I used to run these manage these programs, and um, these programs had youth working in different places across the country. And mm-hmm. um, in my role, I was the like if things got to me, it was going to get solved. Like I'm I'm the problem solver. Don't let things get to me. If it gets to me, it's being solved. You may not like how it gets solved, but it's being solved. Um, so um, I was once then contacted by a supervisor of a, of a young woman. And she said, hey, there's an issue with my intern. And I said, okay, let's, let's, let's talk this out. And she said, well, it's not her performance. Uh, her performance is you know, good, um, but she's been staying with me. What? Like the intern is living with the suit. Like that's, that, that don't sound right. Yeah, um, right. So I start digging in a little more and then I went and spoke to the intern. Come to find out this intern was taking, uh, was, was, was living in a woman's shelter. Mm. Living in a woman's shelter. And she had used the money she had to get a YMCA membership so she could take showers there before mm-hmm. she went to work. And so wow. her manager found out about it and then brought her and started saying with her. And so the first question that people say, well, well, weren't you paying her? And so, yes, she, we were paying her. Says, well, then why was she doing that? Well, when you, when I spoke to her, it was very clear that, you know, just because I'm here doesn't mean that my family doesn't rely on me still. Right. And so right. the money that we were giving her, she was still sending back home to help with bills with her family. And so it's, just, it's a horrible story that because of the situation she was in, yeah. But it's also on the other side, it was like, 
this woman was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get myself, yeah. my family out of this situation. So she, she was doing whatever it takes. Now, it, it ended up very well. We found more resources for her, found her place to stay. She was mm-hmm. good. But when you talk about that accessibility part, that it gets me thinking about that. She, the supervisor loved her work. She absolutely loved mm-hmm. her work. The mm-hmm. barrier was the was the financial piece. Not everyone can afford these super low paying positions to, yeah. to, to be in the workforce. Like so I, I love yeah. what you're talking about. And, and we're and we're definitely starting to see that now because you know you can drive down any street in America right now and see signs for hiring up on mm-hmm. all of the fast food locations, mm-hmm. right? And we wonder why that is. You know, those are typically the lowest paying jobs. And people are now saying, one, there's a quality of life, right? There is health issues, right? With serving the public that you would want to be paid for if you had to come in and be that sort of uh, first responder, you know, in a sense, right? Uh, so I think it's it's really a, a stark look at how we um, look at our society and whether we are uh, functioning appropriately, right? Are we taking care of each other? Um, And so, you know, in a capitalist society, these are things that we all come up with and say, hey, you know, pull yourself up. You can make money. This is America, right? It's the land of the free, home of the brave. Mm -hmm. And so there's this, you know, pie in the sky ideal that everyone has the same access when in actuality, you know, depending on where you're born and who you're born to can change the uh, trajectory of your life. Well, you, you, again, you got you got me thinking. Um, so, I guess in this space, the space you work in, and trying to create inclusive environments, um, I'm just going to pay devil's advocate again. People, please don't hate me too much. Uh, I'm play devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> um, where is the line on the other side of going too far of trying to be inclusive and trying to do this and creating quote unquote safe places and spaces? Um, there's an argument. Um, I was actually having on a podcast the other day with, with someone else who was interviewing me. Um, was that their kids, young at least young adults, aren't mm-hmm. always having the opportunity to fail, to feel that um, uh, to opportunities to build their resilience, right? To, to feel uncomfortable yeah. and work through it because we've maybe swung too far in the other direction providing too much safety. Like, where is that line? And how do you decide where that line is? And how do you then defend that line? Yeah, that's a that's a great conversation to have, because I think when we're, when we're looking at it from the young adult aspect, and then we look at it from the millennial aspect, and then to um, sort of where we are now, and where we're going, um, I think that that is a valid conversation where you know we've seen that people who come from struggle have this sort of resiliency to push past you know uh, so many barriers and challenges right and still become successful whereas when people are handed success or handed um uh, an easier route you know maybe their success level is not the same but you know i think it's it all depends on the individual right and i think we sort of try to look at people in group status 
instead of looking at it from the individual aspect, because I have a I have siblings and we are all different. <laughs> all grew up with the same opportunities and access and we are all different. And so that goes to show you that the individual actually plays the role in whether they feel motivated to um, achieve. Right. And so and I think that goes just even from a leadership aspect. Right. When we think about the people who work for us, um, there are differences in an individual's motivation to do certain things. So some people are highly motivated to become leaders. Right. They, they, they want to learn. They want to grow. They want to help other people. And then you have some who want to be great subject matter experts. Right. They don't want to be a leader. They want to be great at what they yeah. do. Yeah. Right. And so knowing that that's not a better or a worse, that it's more so about that individual and what makes them feel full. Right. So, yes, we should still be providing those safe spaces, but really looking at it in the aspect of individualizing people. Right. And not the group status. So all poor people are not going to be successful because mm -hmm. they are resilient. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, know yeah. that not to be true. <laughs> All rich people are not lazy and, and their kids are not, uh, you know, they say, oh, they've been given this lifestyle. Those kids go on to become very successful. Right. Mm -hmm. And they've mm -hmm. been given certain things. Yeah. I said, so it's not a group status. It's more about the individual values and morals that we place uh, on ourselves. Well, well for, from that, this, that what you just shared, I have, again, two, two questions. The first question, first question being, um, I guess of your siblings, um, who who was the best? <laughs> well, you know, I, I might be a little biased, <laughs> but you know, I think that's a that's such a funny question because we are so different. Yeah, and I know that you were being cheeky, but you know, we we sit back and we think about how all of us have certain. Um, likenesses but differences so for instance you know uh my brother he is a truck driver he loves to be on the road and go to different places and be his own boss and that is wonderful for him and that is success right and so then you turn to me who i'm the academic and love the research and love to go out and help people and be a leader and you know and that's totally different from him he's fine being by himself in his truck charting his path right and i'm the i want to chart the path for others and then i have another brother who is into finance so for him it's about money he's very money driven that's what makes him happy you know he doesn't have to lead anybody as long as he's making money <laughs> so, dollar, dollar bills. <laughs> right and then i have a sister who's very very artistic you know and so it's she's driven by life and love and of this higher calling right and so we all are different and successful in our own ways, but you know, it's, it's a different viewpoint, right. Of coming from the same family. Well, you, you know, so now I have to just chime up because I'm the oldest of six. Um, I'm the oldest brother of six. I got four sisters, one little brother. And my little brother is like, I'm five ten. He's like six, five. So <gasps> he, he is loved to, um, to call himself the big brother. Um, the big little brother. <laughs> But he don't want to see his hands. Um, um, but I, I love what you. I don't know. About. He has reach. He's got reach on you there, Alex. I don't know. Hey, I I wrestled for four years. As soon as I get inside, it's, it's a done deal. Um, so now I hope he listens to this just so he knows. 
Um, <laughs> but my my brother, I, I love talking about like how my brother is like my brother, and my dad. They are really great with like engineering stuff. Um, mm-hmm. They're really great with taking things apart, putting it back together, and 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 rigging things up. Just you know, finding ways to fix things when they don't have the right tools or right resources. <laughs> like they're just so smart. And I, I learned how to change a tire a few years ago. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, the, I'm the book nerd. Like I, 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 yeah. And so, but it, but it's so funny because you talk about the different definitions of success, and that yeah. you know, if my brother was had to do what I'm doing, like he would not be happy. And right. if I had to do what he was doing, I wouldn't be happy. And I wouldn't be successful. Like I don't, I don't right. have those skills. Um, but so often. You know, I think maybe the, I'm not sure if it's the leader or it's, or somebody else is looking from the outside saying, this is what the f- success is. And you are not successful by this definition. Mm-hmm. And they even they push those people to do what the other people are mm-hmm. doing. And it's just, it's like yeah. pushing a rock up the hill. Like as a leader, how do you, how do you remain cognizant enough to make sure that you're treating everyone as an individual and not putting your ideals of success on others? Mm, good question. You know, and I, I, I look at it from the sense of um, being an active listener, right? Because the only way to know what a person wants is to listen. What? And so what? your job as a leader, right, is to help them get to where they're telling you that they want to go, right? Whether that is a, a path that you see them on or not, if you see a different type of greatness in them, because I've had that situation too, where I've had a person who was perfectly fine being an SME. But when I saw them, I said, man, you have just the attitude, the work ethic, the people love you to really be a great leader, but that's not what they wanted. Right. And so it's beyond what I want for a person, but to really actively listen to what their dreams and goals are and then help them achieve that. Right. Because that's the true sign of a leader is utilizing people in the right spaces, but allowing them to grow, right? So we don't want to use them as a tool only, but also allowing them to grow into what they want to be, right? So I think that's one of the key components of of great leadership in my eyes is that we take ourselves as leaders out of the equation and we allow, you know, the listening moment to to really find out what a person wants for their life and their career. So in 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 theory, I agree with you. In practice, it's hard. Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then you know what's even harder? I'll tell you this. What's even harder is when you talk to a person that doesn't know what they want to do with their life. Mm. Right. And that's the hard one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are the ones that you sit there and you you're like trying to help them have a vision. You're trying to show them all these different things. You're like, hey, try this, try that, right? And it really boggles your mind, um, especially when you're you're dealing with someone who's older or has co- has a career, right? When they're younger, you're like, oh, well, try all these different things and figure out which one you like the best, right? But when someone's older in their career and they've been somewhere 10 years, 15 years, and they say, well, I don't know what I want to do next. That's tough. That's tough. Right. 
you know, everyone who listens to the, the podcast knows I, I use these these sessions, these these interviews as my personal counseling sessions. So at some point I'm going to not be sitting in a chair. I'm going to have a camera pointed on me while I'm laying on a couch. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what, one of the challenges that I have struggled with over the years in my leadership capacity is that I have a high expectation of myself and I want others. I hold others to the high, the yeah. high expectation. I, again, yeah. I took like when I used to, when I was in college, I had a job working at McDonald's. Like I would do everything I could to be the best burger flipper and, and oh, yeah. package everything as fast as possible. Like I, that's who I am. And so when I, when I work with someone who wants to do the bare minimum, it's difficult mm-hmm. for me. So how do you know yeah. where, I guess, is it, should a leader want to get the, the best out of everyone or should we be content with, okay, they're doing the job. That's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it depends. It depends on the job. I'm going to be completely honest with you, right? If we're talking about a job that can be done routinely and I don't need you to be a superstar and you can just come and do your job and it works in the cog, right? We're in, we're in that wheel, you're that cog and it's still moving because you mm-hmm. continue to do your work. I'm perfectly fine with someone who is like, I'm just getting this job because I'm ready to retire in a couple of years, right? So I'm just gonna do what I gotta do. <laughs> I'm okay with that, right? I think it's when you get into roles that um, require innovation, creativity, you know, uh, pushing things forward uh, that have never been done before, those roles you cannot have a person like that in. You do need someone who has that work ethic and the passion for the work to move it forward, right? So I think that's, again, what we need to think about as leaders is, do I need this particular role to have a particular person in it, right? And so if this role, if it's if you're in the mail room, right, I don't need you to... Uh, figure out how you can toss the mail on my desk a special kind of way, you know, uh, I, as long as you're on time, yeah. I can expect my mail. It comes to me without being lost. That's a perfect job, right? That person does not need to be a superstar, um, but they should be valued for what they bring, right? Because that's a valuable job. You expect that mail to be there. There may be something important in there. So you want that trust, right? Um, so it's important and valued and we have to still give it that, but do we have that expectation of, I need you to be thinking of the next best mail cart? No, we don't. Right. Um, but do I need that in my, my team leaders? Do I need that in my, if I'm in sales and operations, do I need that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to ask the, the, the $1 billion question. Um, because many, many leaders end up in situations with employees that they didn't hire themselves. Um, what do you do as a leader if you want to, um, if you do have an employee who, again, you value their work for what it is, but you need them to be working at a 10 and they're content with the the five. Again, doing the bare minimum, um, but mm-hmm. you because I've seen it so many times. So what should you do? What would you recommend a leader do in those situations? Thank you for tuning in to the Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. 
The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com slash courses slash networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com slash courses slash networking. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. And now back to the Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. Yeah, yeah. I think if, if it's someone who you didn't hire, right, I think the first thing is to have a, a candid conversation about the work and why they're doing that. Because we have to remember when we're coming in as new leaders, we don't know what the culture was in that particular environment before we came, right? It, they could have had the worst situation and they're just like, I'm putting my head down. I'm not causing mm-hmm. any rips. If yeah, yeah. Just don't look my way and I will, you know, I will just mesh into my seat. Like, you know, we don't know what the culture was with that prior leadership. So it's really important to, you know, have a meeting immediately when you come on board as a new leader um, to have a meeting with everyone one-on-one. That's what I did with my team. Um, We had meetings one-on-one where I told them about myself just on a personal level. I asked them about, you know, the work and what do they like about it and what are they passionate about? What do they do outside of work that they could potentially bring into work those skills, right? So bringing the entire self to work. And I think that's when you see a shift in either passion yeah. or new leadership is a new way forward, right? So I'm going to try yeah. things a little differently because it's the new leader. Um, and so then if that doesn't work, right, if you can't get them to align with your motivations and passions, then I think the next thing is to make sure that they are in the right spot, right? Because mm-hmm. there are some situations where a person is stuck in a, pers- a particular role, yeah, yeah. Where they would be better somewhere else. Right. So let's say you took that job fixing things with your dad growing up. Right. And you're stuck <laughs> working in his office with him. And he's like, this guy doesn't get it together. He's not, you know, he's not. Uh, my son is not the one for this. You know, and he thinks that you're a terrible worker. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you turn around and he says, hey, can you be the marketing guy for our company? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now you're like, oh, 
he's amazing, right? So I think the same thing happens with our folks, right? Just because they're sitting in a seat does not mean that's where they should be, right? That was someone else's decision prior to you getting there. So really taking a look at at the lay of the land and seeing are the right people in the right spots when they share their passions with me. If I have a person who's doing the mailroom that says, I love to do diversity work and I do that for my church, then I'm going to be like, why are you in the mailroom? I need you in my in my diversity staff, right? Because yeah. it's something you're passionate about. You're doing it for free, right? So, <laughs> so, so you already hit. You kind of you already started laying into the next question. I wanted to ask you um, is so. How do you have that conversation? Because that, that's a very difficult and fraught with um, with with quote unquote danger landmine conversation. Because someone could feel like. If you're having that conversation, like, oh my God, I'm not doing well. They don't think I'm good enough. They're going to fire me. Like um, th- there can be a lot of fear in a conversation like that. How, how, as a manager, would you handle that type of conversation? Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to listening to what other people want and what they're passionate about and asking the right questions, right? It, it really is the basics of caring, Right. It's the same thing you do with your friend where you say you want to know about their family. You want to know about the things they like to do. You want to get involved with things that they're doing. Right. And so that's the kind of conversation you should have. And they'll share with you what their passions are. They'll share with you if they like the role that they're in or if they're interested in another role. Right. And if you tell them I'm here to help you get to whatever that goal is, whatever that dream is, right? It's not for me to keep you in your role, your position, your level, your pay. It's really to stop and listen about what your needs are and how we can work together to achieve that. And I think that resonates. You you have so much great knowledge and insight. I feel like I feel like you you might have like wrote in a book or something. Like <laughs> you ever done anything crazy like that? Well, glad that you asked. (laughs) So I am, um, oddly enough, which is so contrary to what people think about me, is I write fiction novels. So even though I share these nuggets when I'm speaking, I'm not going to put it in a book for you. You have to invite me out and have a conversation. (laughs) But no, I am working on a book. a leadership book, as well as a career development book, right, to help people move throughout their career uh, fluidly and really think about who they want to be, what they want to be, and what the purpose is around what we do nine to five, right? Um, But my other books that I write are fictional novels, so I am a suspense and thriller writer. So uh, my books are found on trhorn.com, and they're an audible as well. So if you're an audiobook junkie like I am, where you listen to books on the road yes. or when you're cleaning, yep, that's me too. So um, yeah, so that's sort of my book story. So, but that's, again, that's kind of contrary to, I wouldn't say what people mm-hmm. think about you. I would think contrary to what people would think about quote unquote being a leader and or being successful is that you need to mm-hmm focus all your energy on one thing, right? You have this leadership, this uh, chief diversity officer for an agency, which is huge. (laughs) I hope everyone knows that again, ICE is an agency and she's Uh the chief diversity officer. That's huge. (laughs) 
and you're a thriller writer, which means that you probably think of very scary things to do to people and things. Yeah, right. yes, yes. I, I watch way too much Investigation Discovery Channel and Lifetime, and you know that's a bad combination. Oh my God, Lifetime! Oh my God. <laughs> so, oh, this is not this is not sponsored by Lifetime, but man, they just, just so bad. Um, so how do you how do you find the space to do your leadership stuff? Because again, sorry, mm-hmm. you hadn't mentioned it yet, but you also have um, a role in outside mm-hmm. of the federal government as well. Yeah, how do you do the leadership stuff, your diversity stuff, and your writing, which is these are mm-hmm. kind of different areas. Yeah, yeah, and so it goes back to you know really being your whole self and not worrying about where people want to place you in a bubble, right? And so, and I think that happens to all of us, right? Where we think of leaders and they can't be creative, right? And and so when, when I tell people, no, it's not a, it's not a self-help or motivational book. <laughs> it is a uh, suspense thriller, you know, type of, of story. And they're like, oh, wow, right? They don't even recognize that we can be creative <laughs> on a whole other level mm-hmm, and still mm-hmm. work at an agency that is, you know, a uh, law enforcement agency, right? So I think that's uh, really an interesting part for me. But, you know, in regards to the time, right, the time that it takes, I'll say this, and this is something you probably already know and have said and know as know to be true, which is you make time for the things that you want to do, right? You make time for the mm-hmm. things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. When you have choices about that one hour a day, I can have a choice of either reading a book, you know, or writing in my book. I can have a choice of sitting down in front of the TV or, you know, setting up speaking engagements or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Mentoring other people or going out and being a youth coach in the evenings, right? So we we find time to do the things that we really enjoy doing. And whether it takes me three months, nine months, or three years to write a book, it doesn't matter because I'm happy in those moments that I'm putting down on paper, uh, my creativity. So this is, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into one of the things that makes people not like me actually. Um, (laughs) I, I, I no. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Just wait, just wait. Um, I am pretty hard nosed when it comes to, um, to holding people accountable. Um, and I'm very hard nosed on holding myself accountable. Um, and so I, I'm truly of the mind that you can do almost anything. Like people ask me, can I do this? Yeah, you sure you can, as long as you're willing to accept the consequences of it. I, I, I'm, I'm, my wife doesn't listen to this. I'm probably going to get some ice cream. And the consequence uh-huh. is it's not going to help my weight loss. Well, weight loss. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but I can do it. I can choose to do it. So I, I feel like people have to be willing to, to just not lie to themselves. And yeah. there, there are so many hurdles in life period. Yes, absolutely. Um, but you can't worry about those. So those are external. What can you do yourself? What decisions can I make to further my goals, further my aspiration, further whatever it is I want to do? And am I making those decisions? And if you're not, just be real with yourself. Say, you know what? I'm not doing yep. it. Um, right. But, but it's, I think it's hard for many people to just make that, to call themselves out for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that comes from, 
looking at a task in totality, right? So I could look at it and say, oh my gosh, writing this book, it's gonna be 350 pages. I don't have time to do 350 pages, right? But I have time to do two today, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and I have mm-hmm. time to do four tomorrow and eight next week, right? And so it's the incremental um, understanding that it will take time and you have to have patience, right? And you have to have that work ethic and fortitude to push past and make those tough decisions. Like you said earlier, that choice between, hey, do I get my ice cream or I'm gonna work out a little harder, right? Or I'm gonna get my ice cream and I'm not gonna work out and I'm gonna accept those consequences, right? Yeah. So those are choices we have to make. And I want to really give people the power to say, you can literally do anything right? Mm -hmm. Literally do anything. I'm the the first person in my family to get a doctorate, right? No one showed me the path. No one said I could or could not do it until my mother said, hey, you need to do this, right? You can do it. I'm like, all right. you know. And I went in with that incremental one class. And when I'm halfway through, I'm like, oh my gosh, you look back and you say, I'm halfway done. Right? So it's it's really that way where don't say no to things. Try whatever comes to your mind that you're passionate about and interested in and just do it incrementally and grow in it. You, you know, you talk about that, that passion part and my wife's reading this book right now. And I, I don't know the name of the book, but she said that she loved how it talks about um, passion is the destination. It's not the starting. Yeah. Point. Like it's, many people want to say, oh, I got to find my passion before I do anything. Yeah. But you can't find your passion if you don't do anything. Like you have to right. try stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely agree. <laughs> so, so I was also, I'm going to sit this on the table. And I'd love to hear any thoughts you have on it. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, when I first started sharing this, this thought I'm going to share, my initial thought was I was nervous to share it because I felt that people would feel like I'm indecisive. Um, but now when I share it, I still in the back of my mind, I'll be real, in the back of my mind, like some people may still feel like I'm indecisive, but the, the mm-hmm. purpose of sharing it is it has a reason. So I'll, I'll say is um, when I went to college, um, I, was, I wanted to be a high school counselor. I, that's what I was going to school for, to be a high school counselor. Um, I then met this guy and he introduced me to IO psychology. Um, and the leadership stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Instead of, so when I left college, I went to my grad program to be an international consultant in leadership development. That's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I was, uh, got into the federal government and I was like, you know what? I love this stuff. I I, want to be a leader in the federal government. And then I wanted to run for office and be a congressional person. Then I was like, ah, you know, Congress, that's, you know, House yeah. that's, that's too low. I'm going to go for Senate. And then I, I start networking, get learning about that. And I was like, they, they, these people are crazy. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be a secretary of, of an agency. And, and then from there, you know, I, I still hope to one day um, be offered the opportunity to serve our country in a, in a political appointee position as secretary. Um, but I went to training and so now I do training and speaking and all of that. I, I, I love it. But we know what I really love now? I love what we're doing. I, I love these yeah. conversations. I'm doing my best to turn this into an actual TV show. Like this is yeah. what I'm focused on. I, I tell that story to say, um, I always feel like our goals are meant to be the direction. Like you, you, you set a goal and you're going to go in a direction, take actions yeah. towards it. Um, but it doesn't mean that direction is ever going to change. 
Like as soon as you mm-hmm. take action, you're going to have experiences. You're going to learn and say, oh, wow, I really like this. Or I like this. I like this a little better. And you should have the flexibility within yourself to, to change your direction as you learn more and not feel like I have to stick to this because I made this decision when I was 21. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on, what are your yeah. reactions to what I just shared, if I can't ask? Yeah, I think it's, you know, the way I look at it as direction is north, south, east, and west, right? So you can either move backwards, forwards, or to the side, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the direction. It doesn't matter what the goal is as long as you're moving north. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's what people need to understand and realize about life, right? you have to experience it. It's not something that you can plan out and say, I'm going to hit this note at 25. I'm going to hit this one at 35. I'm going to hit this job at, right. We can have those goals. Right. But the, the real movement is North. As long as you're progressing forward in any one of those goals, right. You're going to get somewhere. And, and and as you progress and then you make a, a change in a direction, all the stuff that you've learned, all those relationships you built, all, all that, all those experiences mm-hmm. you've had, they don't disappear. Like you they still don't go away. They, they, <laughs> they make you that much better because now you have a diverse ex- set of experiences, networks and everything. So I, yes, y- yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. When I tell people about my trajectory uh, in my career, uh, it's an it's an interesting story, right? Because most people are like, oh my God, you were in the military and you're an army veteran. And you know, so you've been to war and back and and here you are in the federal government and you owned your own business and it was, you know, so it's it's like you're right, you don't lose any of those things. It just adds to who you are as a person, your experiences, your knowledge you have to share, right? Um, because it doesn't go away. So you know, I think when you have someone who follows this sort of uh, linear path, right, they typically um, lose out on some of those experiences, right? Because there is some some pressure that is there when you don't know, right? And when you're trying to figure it out and when you're making these decisions on which path, which path to take, that's the that's where you find who you are. Right. It's not in the I followed my map and I got to the destination. It is when I'm sitting at a crossroads. Who am I? How am I thinking about whether I'm going to the right or to the left? Right. That's how you become the true person you are. Look, I I, I have enjoyed our time together so, so very much. <laughs> I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I just wanted to maybe open the floor for you. Um, is, is there any you know, last thoughts, ideas, anything you'd like to share with those who are listening right now and watching if you're watching YouTube? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, you know, for me, um, what I would share, that's a tough one, right? Because it's so, so broad. Like, uh, when I think about leadership and diversity and inclusion, right, I think of the leaders coming up now, right, and how we need to cultivate a new way ahead Um, in our workforce, in our organizational cultures, in how we view each other, right? I think that goes back to that justice piece you were talking about earlier. Um, And I think 
we're in a, a very good space to really create some change and innovation in, in how we work, how we work together, right? The uh, equitable diversity that we should be seeing within all of our organizations, the relationships that we're building in out in society, right? So it was so funny. I was doing a training and, and one of the things that I, I said was, you know, stop and think about it. You know, and I said to a room of, of, of folks, I said, do you have a black friend? Do you know a black person personally? Right. And if you don't ask yourself, why? Do you know someone that's a part of the LGBTQ plus community? Think about it. If you don't ask yourself why? Right. And so that's the key to it, where we have to start looking at ourselves as the change and the change makers, because the younger people coming up are, are forcing us to talk about it and they're forcing us to change. And so now is the time. And that's what I say to leaders now is cultivate those young people. Really start looking at how you can be flexible and agile in your organizations really look at how you are in a personal capacity because we bring who we are to work, right? Uh, so if you don't have any friends that are different than you, you're doing that at work. I hate to tell you that. <laughs> you're doing the same thing at work. We don't change because we walk into uh, an office building versus our door at our house, right? So really think about how you are in your personal life and whether you're bringing that into the office with you. Other than that, I just want to shamelessly plug all of the things that I'm doing. Um, so again, if you are interested in my books, trhorn.com is the place to, to check those out. Um, I'm also the owner of Dynamic Training Partners. So we do training, business consulting, uh, all along those, those lines at dynamictrainingpartners.org. And then if you are looking for a DNI speaker, you know, I'm your girl. <laughs> so other than that, I want to thank you so much, Alex, for having me on. I've been looking forward to being on the show. And when you get those seats in the studio, my butt better be in one of them. <laughs> Hold on. Oprah who? What? Um, <laughs> hey, you know, it's again, it's been so much fun fun it's being able to catch up with you and i know we're going to keep talking after this is off um everyone i'm so sorry that you can't hang out with us but we got we got to wrap it up we, <laughs> we can't end up with a, a six-hour podcast this is not gonna it's not gonna work um but <laughs> again as always everyone knows i'm gonna say the same exact thing i say every single time don't just look back reach back if you found anything of value in today's conversation, don't look over to the left, look over to your right and say, oh, but they should have been here. They would have, they would, they would have grown. They would have taken something. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't be that guy or that gal, you know, bring this to them, bring them to this, share these phenomenal words of wisdom that Dr. Horn shared with us, share it with them. Um, Again, each one get each one reach one. Um, <laughs> I'll end with thank you so much for being with us today, uh, today, Miss Teresa. Everyone, thank you so much for continuing to listen and be a part of this community. I love it. I love you. Thank you so much. As always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening. Find us online at the Alex Tremble Show.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. 
Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.